At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. This is Matt Liner, and you're listening to Reign of Troy Radio. Reign of Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Could I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Get Michael Castillo on the phone. <laughs> Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. Oh, I can't believe USB is 5 and 7 and not going to a ball. Oh. All right, Trojan fans, turn up the volume. It's time for Reign of Troy Radio. Here's your host, Michael Castillo. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Reign of Troy Radio, episode 309, coming to you on Wednesday, April 17th. We are going to wrap up spring camp for the USC Trojans and talk about so much more here on this episode. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Reign of Troy. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Reign of Troy. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, Google Play, and Spreaker. Our bonus episode are on Patreon, patreon.com slash Troy. Our email address is reignoftroy at fanside.com for your email questions, ad inquiries, or anything else you want to send us. And our phone number is 213-373-1872. I'm your host, Michael Castillo. Join along with my co-host, Alicia Deratola. Hello, everybody. Hello, Alicia. We do this thing on this podcast. It's a little bit of a trope where we always talk about, can you believe it is this time of year? Can you believe that X is Y days away? We reached a major milestone in the offseason. We are now in descent. Saturday was exactly the 50-50 halfway point. Not only was it the end of spring camp for USC, and we're going to talk about that later in this episode, but it was exactly the 50-50 point between the Notre Dame game and the Fresno State game. Upcoming in uh, the end of August. It's a different 50-50 point than normal, too, because USC season doesn't usually end with with that last regular season game. Yeah, so. but it always feels weird to me that the halfway point is usually at the beginning of May, and that always feels weird. It's like, May? Well, May? Is the f- like, May feels like you're past it. This yeah. feels more natural to me, that this would be the, 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 the midway point. Um, and it ultimately is. Um, well, if you think about it, um, September is the ninth month. May is the fourth month. Oh, sorry. April is month. the fourth month. May is the fifth month. So if it's in I May. Mean, I get that it makes sense. It just May seems further into the year. Than- no, no, no. That's what, that's what I'm saying is that five is across the halfway point of nine to me, where four feels more like a. Halfway. This is not scientific or mathematical no. or anything like that. Just I'll, like I'll the t- numbers. I'll tell you this, though. 
if we're talking about how deep we're into the year, if you say May, it feels like we're well deep into the year. March and April don't feel like we're that far in yet. Feel pretty early. They feel very spring, very early springy. Yeah. These are these are the things you you get to listen to on Retro Radio. Uh, great th- insight. These random things. Yeah, I, I know. Um, but speaking of things that we talk about, we also talk about Game of Thrones over on Patreon. Rod on God is back. It dropped on Tuesday for all of our patrons over on Patreon, patreon.com slash Troy. You can subscribe for as little as five fifty five a month, get all of our bonus episodes, including Rod on God, where we recap every Game of Thrones episode, plus takes with Jake, with our friend Jake Merrifield from the What's Bruin show. Alicia has her own show, Second and Short, and so much more, including Rotbot's Choice episodes. We dropped one earlier this week as well. We'll give you a preview at the end of this episode of that. Uh, if you dig it, head over to Patreon, patreon.com slash Troy. And if you're into Rod on God, but you don't want to subscribe and become a member on our Patreon, that's fine too. On Fridays, our Rod on God episodes will go unlocked. So if you want to hear them the second that they go down, they will be available on Tuesday for patrons. If you are not a patron, they will be unlocked on Fridays. Yeah, and you can get those on patreon.com slash Troy. They're not going to be in our main feed Right. Uh, they for, won't be on iTunes. Troy. Yeah, they won't be on. They won't come through on iTunes that way. But you can find them there uh, if you want to. Uh, just a, a little, you know, it's a little, a little nugget over there. If you if you pop over on Friday and maybe hear a full episode and see what it's all about, because th- those episodes are tons of fun. They have nothing to do with USC football or anything like that, but they're tons of fun, and uh, it's always good to get nerd out on the Game of Thrones. Yeah, it's always a blast. And we have a great time with our friend Jake from the What's Bruin Show. So listen to that if you're into it. If not, there's still a ton of content uh, that you would appreciate over on Patreon. The Robot's Choice episode that we're going to tease at the end of the episode is a an interesting one where we created a tournament where it's USC's best teams of the 21st century versus the nation's best teams of the 21st century. It's two brackets. Put them together. See who ultimately as the best college football team of the 21st century. Is it a Pete Carroll team? Is it a Clay Helton team? Is it some other team from around the country? I don't know. We talk about it. Uh, and yes, there is a Clay Helton team in the tournament, by the way. Uh, we break it all down uh, and walk through it. And there was a really fun like hour and 10 minutes, 10 minutes-ish of conversation. The best part of that conversation was the moment when we realized that we were going to solve one of the battles, one of the matchups in that bracket, with a punter. That's how. That's how. That's how tight Spoiler it got. Alert. Spoiler yeah. alert. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that is uh, that was a that was a fun conversation. You'll be able to hear that at the end of the episode again. patreoncom is where you can hear the full thing. But let's get into the news. We'll get up to that next. Alicia, USC has ended spring camp, and there's not much news to discuss here about the end of spring camp. We're going to mostly put that in our B block, which is going to be us analyzing spring camp. So 
we're going to move through the news pretty quickly. I think the main news here is no major injuries for USC, and there was no release of a depth chart. So if you were looking for some sort of big news coming out in the spring, there is none. Uh, we, we don't know who won the quarterback battle because it wasn't decided. We don't know who won anything because none of it was decided, and rightfully so in a lot of areas. I mean, USC had a lot of injuries in terms of numbers, but they weren't major injuries that are going to cost SC as the season comes around later this year uh, because there were, again, no major injuries that would be season enders. Yeah, there were a lot of guys that missed spring camp, but a lot of that felt precautionary. And the guys that did get injured during spring camp were all uh, they're going to miss, you know, a couple of weeks here or there. And then they'll be back for fall camp, which is always a great way to come out of the spring to avoid those. That's one of the big things that you want to do in the spring. The depth chart thing is a point of contention, which I think has been. One of those instances of just, uh, you know, mixed signals or, or, or sort of crossed wires. Clay Hilton talked about the changes that they were going to make this season. And one of them was going to be to emphasize competition by changing when they release the depth chart. And he talked about releasing it every Friday so that players know that their performance in practice would impact who plays in games. And people took that to mean they would release a depth chart every Friday from the start of spring camp, you know, all the way through. Uh, and and uh, from the beginning, I didn't take it that way. Like, I took it during the season instead of the depth chart coming out on, like, the Tuesday when they released the game notes, that the depth chart would be settled on Friday um, in game weeks, right? So I, I wasn't necessarily expecting them to release one after spring because they didn't do it last year because they want the competitions to continue into the fall. To not have the complacency of, well, you know, you, you won a starting job and, and that's that. Uh, Helton did say that they're going to sit down and, and talk to all the players and let them know where they stand and that the coaches are going to do sort of run through the exercise of if we had to play a game, you know, on Saturday, who would start and who where would guys be? And so they're going to give the quarterbacks, for instance, some sort of sense of, of the pecking order. Uh, so while there won't be a depth chart released publicly, they are having those conversations, but it just doesn't like, it's the kind of thing where this staff hasn't really done that in the first place, you know, going back a, a few years, releasing the depth chart, the way that like Steve Sarkeesian did after spring camp, if I remember correctly. So it's not like a big deal, but like there are people who are mad that they haven't released one. And I, I just look at it going like, they don't have any reason to release one at this point. Like, except for it would be great for me because then it would be cool to have some, like, solid information as, like, you know, writing about all these things. But in terms of, like, the team, like, it doesn't need to exist yet. Yeah, and the other thing I would say to that is just because we're probably not going to see a lot of those depth charts going forward that are going to be the ones changing every single week. I mean, the ones that are in the media guide and in the game notes every week haven't always been gospel anyways. Um, so if you're expecting those to be gospel, don't. Um, and if you're expecting the, the truest, you know, opinion from these coaches about the, the, the pecking order of the depth chart, and if they don't give that, then they don't have a pecking order. Don't expect that either. Like 
times are changing in college football where coaches are being closer and closer and closer to the best. USC has always been fortunate enough to have a football team that has been open with these things. Pete Carroll was very open. Ed Ogeron was very open, especially after Lane Kiffin got fired. Uh, Sark has been open. Clay has been open for the most part about a lot of things. But times are changing. Most teams are not anymore. So if SC goes that way, I don't think it's a sign of SC holding things close to the vest or, or you know, Clay Helton being indecisive. If there's not a, a depth chart published, it's mostly because more than likely, and I don't follow every single team in college football, but what is the number of teams in college football that release a, a depth chart at the end of spring? I can't imagine that it's that high on a percentage. Like, it, Maybe 20%. I don't know. I, don't, I, I well, would love to know what that number is. And again, a depth chart after spring would really, a public depth chart would really just be like a progress report. Like the progress report right. they send your parents, you know, in October of, of, of a fall semester when you're in school, like that's not your grade. That's just letting your parents know that you either are or aren't on track to fail. Yeah. But, but <laughs> even if, if you don't give it to the media, doesn't mean that they're not telling these things. In private, that's right. That's like my you, thought. you still have a yeah. You, your grade is still what it is going to be. Right. So, don't don't read too much into that. I I wouldn't read too much into it. Uh, we will have a depth chart on Minotaur.com. Uh, Elise is putting together her thoughts. So look for that later in the week. Um, on Randofroy.com. Uh, other news to discuss. Let's talk about transfers. Oli Butiku and Trayvon Sydney are both going to Illinois. Uh, to become Illini. They are the third and fourth Trojans to go to Illinois, to go to Champaign in the last 14 months. It started with GA Austin Clark last February, who became the defensive line coach for the Illini. Jalen Green transferred there, but then ultimately didn't play and went to Utah State. Uh, But Willabatiku and Trayvon Sidney, which begs the question, when did USC become a pipeline to Illinois all of a sudden? It's very random. It's very, very random connection that that's happening with the the, the Illinois pipeline. Uh you you got to wish Wole and and Trayvon the best of luck there. Uh it's going to be interesting to see what both of those uh, both of those guys accomplish. Uh tip your cap to them I think because they're both graduate transfers in in just 3 years. So uh credit to them for for doing what they needed to get done. Uh, academically in order to not have to sit out the year to transfer but really you know they're transfers so they're no longer at USC and they're thus they're no longer relevant so let's move on and talk about new players coming in transferring into USC two guys in basketball uh three-point specialist Noah Bauman is transferring to USC from San Jose State he set a school record for three-pointers uh, with the Spartans. He does have to sit out. Uh, but then there's grad transfer, six-foot forward, Daniel Utomi, who transfers from Akron. He averaged 14 points and five boards. He was an all-MAC honorable mention. So two guys out for USC on football, two in for USC on basketball, or in basketball. And that's just on Tuesday. Uh, USC, the, 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 the two guys committed both on Tuesday for basketball and that makes it three grad tra- well three transfers for USC this offseason because they they added Quinton Adlish a couple weeks ago and and um I saw it uh, someone on Twitter was pointing out like the guys that USC is bringing in here 
these are all shooters. These are all perimeter shooters. And so it's it's interesting the way that USC is basically reforming its roster. You're having uh, Jerron Brooks and Victor Uliumno uh, transfer out. You had Jordan Usher transfer out earlier in the year. Kevin Porter Jr. declared for the NBA draft. Um, Benny Boatwright's graduating. Sha- uh, Shaq Aaron is graduating. So USC is only re- returning, I think it's four or five guys from last year's squad. And they're bringing in a recruiting class that has five or six guys and then three grad tran- or three transfers, two of them grad transfers, and one of them has to sit out the year. But the lineup that USC is bringing back is going to be quite different. The roster going to be quite different. And I'm curious how that sort of goes over because Andy Enfield, I think, is in a situation where he needs to start winning now. And he has this, you know, vaunted recruiting class that they're bringing in with two five stars and it's ranked in the top five nationally. And you add, I mean, these transfers that USC's brought in, these were guys that were coveted. Um, uh, Daniel Otomi was being looked at by North Carolina and Xavier and um you know Iowa and and all sorts of 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 programs that are that are not scrubs by any stretch of the imagine imagination these are these are programs that are in the NCAA tournament every year and USC was able to bring him in so i think it's just a good sign for USC that they're that they're recruiting well the problem i have continually with Andy Enfield is we know you can recruit well now start putting the things together on the court. Yeah, and one of the ways that he is a good recruiter is getting Nick Rakosevich to come back for a senior season. Uh, I, I think that was expected. I, I didn't think that he was going to leave to the NBA like Kevin Porter Jr., who declared for the draft at the end of last week and signed with uh, Rock Nation, I believe. Yeah, so he well, is not eligible to return because he signed with an agent, but... Yeah, Nick Rakosevich, I didn't expect him to go to the NBA. The only thing I wondered was, like, he looked at, at unhappy at times this past season. Now, I mean, there's good reason because it was a disappointing season. Did, did you watch last season? I did. I watched way more of last season like, than I wanted did, did you to. See, did you see the standings? Like, there were reasons to, to, to not be, be unhappy. pleased with that team. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But so my, my only thought was, may, I mean, if, if you're not having fun at USC then maybe you just go and you you see what happens with the NBA and maybe you end up in Europe and that's not the worst thing in the world um so yeah getting Nick Nick back because he's a legitimate play player and if you can get the most out of him uh he's he's gonna be one of the one of the veterans in the Pac-12 so big recruiting job to get him back but like you said it, it kind of felt like that was more likely than not so it's not necessarily a huge surprise yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. Uh, let's move on and get to more spring camp talk up next. We're going to put a bow on it. Uh, USC finishing up their five-week spring camp uh, over the weekend. So, we are back. All right, Alicia, I want to share with you a conversation that I had with our friend, Trinice, Trinice Ferreira, who used to be on this very podcast back in the day. Uh, she was asking me about the, the the football team moving forward. Is there any reason to expect anything from this team? And I was trying to tell her, you know, observations that you've had and other people in the media, like our friends at uscfootball.com have had about the team and whatnot, because 
I think there's a sentiment from you know people who haven't followed the team in the offseason. Heck, you just read our comments around Detroit.com that are still under the impression that the sky is just continuing to fall at USC. So my question is, is it right to think that the, the sky has stopped falling for a little bit at least? Or is this strictly a, you know, spring camp illusion that we can sit here and say that this was a good spring for USC? And it's not just us. It's, it's, it's like every beat writer talking about this team. Everything has been, for the most part, positive. Is, is that spring camp in general? Or is this, are, are they, did they put out a product that is worthy of feeling good about? Who, uh, it's hard to answer. I, the simple the simple answer is every spring camp is positive. Every spring camp if it's not positive then things are really 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 wrong. Um so everything that comes out of spring camp you have to take with the grain of salt that like it's going to have a positive spin. But at the same time, I've now covered a few spring camps. This isn't my first rodeo. And it's certainly not the first rodeo of a lot of the other beat writers that are out there. We've all seen practices that USC has done in the past under different coaching staffs, under this coaching staff, uh, the, the the whole shebang. So we, we've seen, we have something to compare it to. And that's the reason why I'm able to say with a certain amount of confidence that this was a very good spring camp on its own merits, uh, particularly because it was so different. And it was so self-aware in ways that I think that past camps, spring and fall camp, have not been. Um, and, and, and the way that it addressed so many of the problems that had been brought up, not just by us in the media and not just by fans in general, but also by the, the coaches themselves doing their self-evaluations. Um, they, like I said, I think it was a very self-aware spring and that's what gives me the most confidence in, in like that this isn't some sort of an illusion that's, oh, every spring is positive. Now, every, every spring is positive and this could be a positive spring and the season could still go wrong. Like the, 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 the changes that they've made this spring could be irrelevant as far as fixing drastically fixing what's wrong with the program right uh but like on its own merits this was a different kind of spring and uh, i i don't feel bad for giving them credit for addressing all of the things that they did they tackled a lot more they were physical much more physical even when they weren't tackling um they devoted a lot of time to individual drills that i think seemed to be very effective. Um, they instituted competition majorly in a way that they hadn't previously. And that was the, the thing I was harping on for a while. It was like, I remember when I first started covering things and going to practice, Steve Sarkeesian used to end every, every practice with five plays ones, you know, you know, the offense and defense competing against each other. And I thought that was a great idea and a great, mindset to instill in the team and it was one thing that I wish that Clay Helton had brought back and he didn't bring back it, it in exactly the same way but at the end of every practice they competed you know mono, like you know offense on defense somebody's going to win this battle 
and it was all situational, which is, I think, really smart. Like, these are just the kinds of things that I point to that they are addressing the problems that were there. Does that mean that they fixed the problems? I don't know. We'll find out when they get to the season. But as far as the the bubble of spring camp, it was very positive. And just because they've lost a lot of trust as far as is any of this going to carry into the season? You know, half of the comments that we get on Rain of Troy right now are, I'll believe it when I see it, like blah, blah, blah. Like, okay, I get that. I get that. But also what I'm looking at me in fr- look what I'm looking at in front of me is positive. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you that that's not what happened. The spring was very positive for what a spring camp can be. That That's kind of where I'm falling. Yeah, and I think both of those things can be poignant things to, to say, right? Like, yeah, SC needs to prove it. it you need to see it to, to, to believe it. Are we Remember the 2016 season? SC falls out, stumbles right out of the gate. They fall to one and three, and then they start winning some games. And we see them winning these games in October, and they start to feel good about themselves. And we talked about it all October and early November. We cannot buy into this team until they prove that they're actually good, until they prove that they've, you know, turned a corner. And we said that that was going to be against Washington and Washington was, you know, a couple weeks away. And until they played Washington well, we weren't buying in. We weren't buying in. And what they do, they beat Washington. They proved it. They proved that they were a legitimately good team. They ultimately won the Rose Bowl, right? That's how it should work, right? There should be some sort of objective that you can sit at and hear and say, well, spring spring camp is great right now. Like, yeah, they needed to have a good spring. They needed to feel good about something. At the end of the day, the grand big picture is that they still have a treacherous first six games that last year's team would probably go one and five in, if not zero oh and six. They cannot be last year's team. They have to be better than last year's team. They need to, you know, you need to sit here and be comfortable that they're going to go at least four and two in those six games to really like this team going forward. Maybe it's three and three, whatever it is. We'll talk about that when the time comes, right? But you want to be able to see improvement on the field. But I also think that we should be able to to sit here and be like, if you're going to complain that things need to be different, then you need to credit the things that are different with the understanding that it's not the final grade. Yeah, and, and kind of that's where I'm coming from, where I I would like to see more USC fans be able to make a statement like this. This is good. Now let's see what happens later. Like, right, this because is how it should be framed. Right. That's exactly how it should be framed. But what I see from a lot of people is, I don't believe this. So let's see what happens later. Like, well, okay. Like, I get that. I get the skepticism and all that. But, like, we can also sit here and, and acknowledge, like, no, but 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 this was good. Like, this was a step in the right direction. I'm not yeah. saying that you're going to, you know, win the marathon or anything like that. But you took the step in the you 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 got past the starting line. Like, you know, you got to get up before you walk. Yeah, exactly. So SC needed to have a spring like this before they could do anything. It could ultimately mean nothing, or it could mean a, a turnaround like Notre Dame had uh, you know, a few years ago. I don't know. We're going to find that out. 
And that we find it out is going to be the most interesting thing about this team going forward. The other point that I that I kind of want to raise here, um, and I feel like this is a very annoying episode for me. If if, if in the sense of I'm probably making a bunch of annoying po- points where it looks like I'm caping for people, and I'm really not. But I am so over, and it's mostly just t- I'm tired. Of, of the the bashing of Clay Helton because it's a dead horse. Like, we all agree, right? Like we all agree that, that Clay Helton should not have returned this year. But he did. He's not getting fired now. You just got to kind of roll with it at this point, right? Like, we all agree that he should have been fired. You agree? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, with that being said, the amount of comments that I see about like this team is 100% destined to, you know, to be five and seven at best, or, you know, be a four win team or a three win team this year because clay is only going to make things worse is insane to me. Utterly insane because it's the certainty that he can't win. Right. Well, he only won because he had good players around him. Okay, I get that. I agree. But, Alicia, what players do USC have? Like, what kind of players does USC have right now? They have a lot of good players, Michael. That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> like the idea that, like, he only won because of Sam Darnold and, and Judas Smith-Schuster and Adori, like, well, then couldn't he win with Amon Ross St. Brown? And with Michael Pittman, and with EA Nateote, like he, couldn't those players also become those other guys? Like th- you don't have to believe in Clay Helton, but there's enough talent on this roster that anything is possible. Those things can both be true. And so, like we we talk about the the things from last year that SC needed to improve the offense and changing the offensive identity. And it's not just us saying this, like listen to other podcasts too, like just changing the offensive identity and changing the, the mindset of everything should be an improvement by seven, maybe 10 points a game. Just doing that little, those little things should improve this team three, maybe four wins just based on the little things. Like we talked about a couple weeks ago. So I don't understand how this idea that this team is regressing of any sort, like I, I don't know. I, and, uh, okay, and I don't the, think that, that I don't think that saying that they're not going to regress is like condoning the coaching staff. I'm not condoning the coaching staff either. No, I don't know I'm, why I'm, I'm so defensive. I'm with you. No, we're defensive because we have to read the comments section every day, Michael. I, I, I mean, this is <laughs> I needed a break from USC fans back in December. And. I feel like I got a little bit of a break. Like, I feel like February was a was a really nice month. Except that it wasn't now that I think about it, because people were comp- like there was tons to complain about with transfers and Lynn Swan and academic crap and all sorts of things. Right. So, like, I, I, I feel like but I feel like we got a little bit of a reprieve from the Clay Helton. Like we got like a two week reprieve of the Clay Helton stuff because of the Lynn Swan stuff. Like, Lynn Swan became the dead horse to beat. And, like, now we're right back to the beating of the 
Clay Helton dead horse and I'm and I'm I'm just tired of of it. Like I get it. I get it. We're no like you said, like we're all on the same page. We all think that it was a mistake. We we all like I thought it was a mistake the first day they hired him. So like this is not new <laughs> to me. Like it's been a little bit of a bumpy road because it was like a oh maybe maybe I was wrong in 2016. I I, I acknowledge like you know what Clay Helton has done way better than I thought he was gonna do. But when this all came back around, it was like well yeah, but I told like uh, on day one I said this was a mistake. So like I I get it guys. I get that people are venting, but also I I I don't have the energy to spend every day responding to everything that comes out around USC with a this team is going to suck because Clay Helton is like like I I post an article about um about Paliianateote telling Clancy Pendergast about how he wants to be the greatest linebacker to ever play for USC. And like the first comment we get is like, well, he's never going to be that because this coaching staff sucks. It's like, okay, guys, I get, I get it. I get it. You don't like the, like, okay, we get it. But not everything has to come back to this coaching staff sucks. A, because like they don't, they're, they're not that bad. Like they're bad in USC terms, but like, you know, in the grand in the grand scheme of things, like <laughs> it's really not that bad. Um, that drop that I, I have a drop for that. I just you do, find it. you do. Well, I just recreated it, in so it's fine. In the grand scheme of things, it's really not that bad. There we go. I don't know. Uh, I, I, this has now just been a, a rant session because because it's it's what we're exposed to all the day, and I don't know if that's like I don't know if this is good podcasting or good radio but well, just like I'm, I'm just i was going <sighs> through our reviews the other day on on itunes so i'll read a couple of new reviews by the way just randomly throwing them in here uh here's one uh that says make reign of troy great again three stars come on man everything is so negative please move on to the next season please used to love to listen but now all you do is crap on the team lighten up <laughs> i uh... Oh man, Ugh. like it, it's things are so polar, <laughs> polarizing. But <laughs> I don't it know. From both sides. I, I, I don't know how to put together a good podcast anymore. Well, okay, because part of the problem is we're we're commenting. Okay, for instance, when I mention that things look really good in spring camp, like we get people who are standing there going like screaming about how like it's all a mirage and everything is horrible and everything like that. But if we talk about how, no, actually, stuff was really bad and the athletic department is in a really bad place and they should not have kept Clay Elton and players failed the team last year and coaches failed the team last year and administrators failed the team last year and everything like like there's got to be there's got to be a place for us to acknowledge the reality of of what's going on when it's both positive and when and negative like and that's what I think we're trying to do but it, the, well, the reality thing, is always in the middle yeah it's always in the middle I mean this is what what we we it's been a constant refrain things are never as bad as they seem and never as good as they seem and I think that's right. where we, we try to strike the balance but like that's what spring camp's all about right like spring camp is literally the embodiment of things are never as bad or as good as they seem because spring camp is always like like I said it's always positive so thing like the defensive line, I thought, had a really good year, a really good spring. I also thought the offensive line, coincidentally, 
looked really solid and, and, and put together. But, like, I acknowledge that's a zero-sum game, and I don't know which side USC comes out on, because last year I thought USC's defensive front was going to be really good, and it turned out that they weren't. They were very not at the level that they needed to be. So, like, I, I acknowledge that side of spring camp, but at the same time, like, I'm not going to, like... I, I don't see the point of covering this team and not talking about how, you know what? Marlon Tupelotu looks really good. And J2 Fele looks really good. And Christian Rector looks really good. And oh, Drake Jackson? Man, that guy's got a bright future. Like, I, I, I don't want to, I, I don't want to, like, I don't want to cover this team if I have to sit there and go, like, say, well, I can't talk about Marlon Tupelotu looking really good in spring camp because you know what? He might not look that good when the season starts. Like, no, he looked good in spring camp. Like, I'm sorry. Right. That, that's, that's what happened. Well, I went five and seven last year, so we have no positive adjectives in the dictionary, in, in the in our vocabulary. Can't use them. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. I, I, Pretty I, I don't much. know. It, it's, it's tough to decide because I completely get it, too. Like, I'm incredibly skeptical about this team. The more, because I, I've, how many times have I said, I grew up in the 90s. My whole thing is to be highly skeptical of USC because my USC growing up, my idea of what USC was, was the J-Rob 2 era and the Hackett era. I grew up expecting SC to lose games that they should win and figure out game, figure out things to, to screw up. I expect them to lose uh, a game-winning uh, to game-winning field goals at, at the end of the game at Austin Stadium, I expect Carson Palmer to get you know just constantly beaten up. These are the things that I expect, and so I naturally am cynical about all this stuff. So when I see all these positive things, the more I think of like, well, come on, like it can't possibly things can't possibly all be good, uh, which goes back to again why they have to prove it in September. Uh, but moving on, I do want to go run down some content pieces you've put out on Rantro.com. You can go and read them, and please do. Um, but we're just going to spoil all that content by just rattling them off here. Uh, your your four main takeaways for, for spring camp. You wrote, Helton is trying to change. Uh, you said, don't think and play uh, was the focus. The offensive line is settled and USC has strength but not depth. What's the biggest one for you of those and why? I think the biggest theme of spring camp was don't think play. Uh, it wasn't just – that's that's Graham Harrell's quote uh, from his opening uh, media uh, interview, whatever they called that thing, press conference. Um, and that was definitely – that's definitely the philosophy of this air raid offense. But it was noticeable to me the way that that motto kind of permeated all elements of the team defense as well it's very much the idea of let's simplify everything let's get guys let's get these guys out there we know they're talented let's get them out there and just get let them play and um and and i think that that is if something goes right for usc in 2019 if if they turn this around then that's going to be the fundamental change that happened for usc this offseason was the idea and the motto of don't think play yeah, and those guys playing uh, include your five standouts, Drake Jackson, Marquis Stepp, Brett Nealon, Marlon Tuipolotu, and Isaac Taylor-Stewart. I'm going to run down this list again really quick. Give me like three words on each guy of why they're on this list. Drake Jackson. Leonard, William com- Leonard Williams comparisons. 
That's three words. Okay. That, that's that's pretty solid. Uh, Marquis Step. Uh, powerful, powerful, powerful. Okay. Uh, it's the same word three times, but I'll, I'll give it to you. Uh, Brett Nealon. Consistent, reliable, drama-free. Marlon Tuipelotu. Explosive uh, or just tackles for loss. That's a good one. I like that. TFL. Uh, Isaac Taylor Stewart, last one. Um, developing. Um, I can't, I can't do this one in three words. I, I kind of want to say something specific about Isaac Taylor Stewart and, and these five standouts completely. These weren't the five best players on the field for USC. Like, cause if that was, the, if that was what I was naming, then like Michael Pittman and Amon Ross St. Brown would be way, way up there and, and, and there would be other guys that I'd be talking about. But Isaac Taylor Stewart kind of embodies this whole thing where he is a player who I think went into spring with a big opportunity and he took that opportunity. He got better from day one to the final day. You could see him developing physically. You could see him developing mentally. You could see him taking the the instruction. And I think the biggest thing is Isaac Taylor Stewart in one-on-ones every day was going up against Michael Pittman and he looked like he belonged. And Michael Pittman was out there looking like an All-American and Isaac Taylor Stewart looked like he could challenge Michael Pittman. Does that mean that Isaac Taylor Stewart's going to be an amazing corner this year? I don't know. He's he's still got some developing to do. But I think it was really encouraging that I think why he's on my standout list is he was able to go against Michael Pittman and make that an iron sharpens iron battle where that might not have been the case last fall. Yeah, you didn't expect it. And if people do things you don't expect, you're always going to, you know, take eye of that. Um, so Good on ITS. Um, he didn't look like Torin Harris out there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Last one. Five unanswered questions. Very simple. Uh, who is the quarterback? And I think that that's pretty obvious because we don't know, and we don't know the quarterback battle. We'll figure that out uh, in fall. If you had to pick, gun to your head, who do you think it, it it would be if they started today, and who do you think it should be? Two very different questions. I'm standing by my pre-spring prediction that JT Daniels will be the starting quarterback uh, because I haven't seen enough to say that that's no longer the case. I am on record that my I have a preference for Matt Fink, but <laughs> I, I, this is this is struggle city, struggle city. They are so little separating all four quarterbacks that like depending on the hour I could give like I could give you an easy explanation for why USC should pick each one of them set Keaton Slovis to the side I guess because he's the freshman but like I have a preference for Matt Fink but the final practice on Saturday they went full live competition more or less like it was the closest thing to a scrimmage that they've done in years and Jack Sears was the gamer that I think he is so my preference for Matt Fink was maybe a little bit overshadowed by the confirmation of the thing that I've always believed about Jack Sears is that he's just not a practice player. Put him in com- in competitive situations and he will thrive. Uh, so, like, I don't think there's a lot to separate them, but I think that JT makes Daniels it so will win difficult it. though. Like, how do you evaluate Jack Sears then? You can't. It's it's you can't or or you have to take. I think Jack Sears. Here's the thing. Jack Sears, you have to take a leap of faith and you might get greatly rewarded for it. But 
if the coaching staff picks Jack Sears, it's because they have to take a leap of faith. And as I've explained to, to a couple of people, like I am a risk averse person, so I wouldn't take that leap of faith on Jack Sears. I would go with the safe route of Matt Fink um, because I, I just I, I believe that the offense can operate with Matt Fink at a certain level and that would be fine. But if if I were more a more risky person and I don't know what Graham Harrell is, I would take that leap of faith on Jack Sears and see where it got me because you might end up with a Sam Darnold if you if you take that over JT over JT. Yeah, like JT has been JT has been fine, but he needs to be better than fine. like I'm disappointed that all I can say about JT is that he was fine. I think that I think I'm holding that against him and maybe that's unfair but he was so good in fall camp last year, guys. Like, he was so good. We were not making that up. He was so good in fall camp that I'm I'm surprised he just looked fine in, in the spring. And Graham Harrell brought up that, that JT Daniels has had some issues with the tempo, and I think the tempo will matter in this offense because you're going to have to keep defenses off their heels because you're not going to be outwitting defenses like crazy because it's all just about click, 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 and go. Um, so he's got the summer to work on that. And I think it's entirely possible he comes into fall totally transformed because everything clicks into place for him on the don't think play front. Um, but he was just, he was just okay in spring. And it's like, that's, that's not, that's not good enough if to be just okay. Like I need you to be better. Otherwise I'm going to side with the running quarterbacks because at least they're dynamic. So here's my take on the whole quarterbacks thing. I don't think I've ever, ever, ever in my history of watching USC football throughout my life, I have never cared less about who the starting quarterback is. And I don't know why everyone else is all up in arms. Like, And everyone else, I'm basically talking about people in our comment section or people on Twitter or whatever. I don't get it. This system is is built... To make the quarterback live, the quarterback's life easier. This the idea of a system quarterback. The hell the quarterback is. The idea of a system quarterback literally comes from the air raid. Like the system quarterback was not a term used until the air raid. Yes, and if and if you're going to sit here and tell me that all the quarterbacks are indistinguishable in terms of level, like one is not completely separated themselves, then I really don't care who the hell it is. I don't. Do not care. Don't care. Yeah. Don't care. I, I have no, I, no no opinion. Just shrug. I don't care. I think I think there's a there's a really good argument to make that none of the quarterbacks have separated themselves separated themselves because the system is what it is, where it doesn't it's not supposed to matter quite so much. That's, I mean, that's a fascinating idea, right? Like, it would make sense because the 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 system is in place for the offense to succeed, not for the quarterback. And for the offense to succeed, the quarterback does have to succeed. Does that make sense? Yeah. But it, yeah. It's, it's it's a lot of just get the ball out and go, and it's yeah simple. We're, we're gonna run down these unanswered questions really quick. The the last four that you have. In like one sentence, give me a answer or a summation of why it's still unanswered or whatever. Will the secondary be okay? There's just too many injuries. The secondary we saw in spring is not the secondary that will exist in the fall. 
Will there be a featured back running back? I don't know. Mike Jinks wants it, but good luck to him separating Carr, Vi, and, and Step. Good luck. Cause I don't see I the can't. point in a featured back either. It's the yeah. same thing with the quarterbacks for me. Uh, who is the Mike linebacker? Uh, the question is between John Houston and Jordan Iacefa, and I think it's both, which will be weird, and that's why I'm question marking it. Because that right. is not the position that you rotate, like of the positions on a defense. That's not the one you rotate. But yeah, and the like last question is the question that I think all of us have: Are the changes enough, and will they stay going forward? And will they matter? I don't know. I, you don't have an answer for that. I don't have an answer for that. We'll see that when the fall comes around. I have a, a small answer for that. The changes are as much as Clay Helton can do. In what sense? I'm not saying I disagree, but I, I, like it's, I'm, I'm wanting to buy into that. But give me, give me some rationale for that. In the sense that USC shouldn't have hired Clay Helton to be the head coach. Because Clay Helton was going to have, like, his ceiling, right? So Clay Helton is doing as much as he can do to save his job. And he's either going to save it or he's not. On the merit of he's either good enough or he's not. So, like... I guess I'm I'm sort of taking taking the, the, the path of... What happens will happen, but Clay Hilton is going out swinging, and he might still get knocked out, but he's going out swinging. So when it comes to evaluating him, there's, there's like, you can't, if he fails this year, it'll just be because he wasn't good enough in the first place. It would be like me going out and trying to race uh, Dominic Davis. Like, I'm going to lose that race. Isn't it? Can't you make the argument though that if he fails this year, that it's even a bigger indictment than last year? Well, I guess it, I guess it's the I guess the the uh, or is or is that grading on a curve? I don't know. I don't know. I I just I, I, I just view it as he's the, he's making the effort, and so right. I'm gonna good job, good effort him. Right. Regardless I, I th- of I where the, it goes, the, the the tough thing is. If you're wanting Clay Helton to not be the coach anymore, and there's a lot of people who obviously we thought that in November, right? But if you're wanting him to not be the coach for 2020, then you're, you would ultimately want this to fail, right? Right. But like where I'm concerned is does, does that ultimately become an indictment of like it should be an if SC doesn't win games this year, it should be an indictment of Helton. It shouldn't be an indictment of Graham Harrell, Graham Harrell, Harrell's offense. And my concern is that it could become well, the Harriet offense <laughs> can never do that. When we saw that, that failed. Can't do that I, anymore. We got to go back to the to the I formation. I don't think that'll be the narrative because I think I hope not because I think Helton is the one. That people already want gone. So, and, and then like, there are no scapegoats the, here. The the sentiment will be, well, Gr- Graham Harrell couldn't have possibly saved him. Yeah. yeah, yeah, because Helton was the problem in the first place. Right. Is, is those, are, those are and those are the comments now. But like, yeah. it, it's an interesting scenario because I think SC should be better next year. 
Um, Absolutely. To, again, by just scoring a touchdown more a game is just going to help things drastically. Um, because again, look, go back to last year and think about those games that they should have freaking won anyways, even as bad of a team as they were. So like they should be better on paper. Uh, it's just a matter of what does better mean? What does better mean for Clay Helton? And what is that threshold for what means that he comes back in 2020? I don't know. Those are the things we're all going to find out in the fall. Uh, but let's get to some listener questions. We'll get to those up next. You've got mail. All right, Alicia, let's start with a text message we got from Greg. He says, I asked before the spring if you were excited to watch the team this fall. Same question. On a scale of 1 to 10, how excited are you? 10 being super duper excited. Hmm. I I don't remember what I answered the last time. <laughs> so I'm not sure. I, 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 maybe I'm at like a 7. Put me down at like a 7. But trust me, come the end of August, it'll be a 9.5. See, that's the thing is, is I've now seen USC play as close to real football as I've seen them play in six months. And it was fun. Like, it was really fun to watch them do overtimes and do two-point conversions and do the live periods that they did on, on that last Saturday. So, like... The funness of that that reminded me how much fun like football is. So right. I'm back. I'm like I'm. I, I, it's a seven though because I'm also dreading the possibility of things going wrong. Um, sure, that's the only thing tempering. But once you get to August, you're just like ah, I just want to call trouble back want, so bad. Yeah. I just want it back. I want it back. And then you, you're just you're glad it's back. Yeah, uh, you just don't want to be disappointed that it's another annoying season like last year. Not that. Not annoying in the sense that they went five and seven. It was just a bad year to talk about the team. Every game was the same. There weren't any talking points that were interesting after a while. It's it was a struggle bus, absolutely a struggle bus uh, of a of a season in terms of just watching and covering the team. I I, I don't want that again. Um, no. And so I'm super excited because I don't think it could possibly be that again. Can't imagine I, it. Just uh, because I, I I can't imagine that repeating. You you and I are on the same boat. Like if USC is Big Twelve bad, then I can live with that. That's better than last yeah. year. Give me give me Big Twelve bad all, all day. Um, if that's if that's what it's going to be. Um, the the other question, um, not from Greg, but I think that that pertains to this of like, I think once you get to the college football season, you're so excited that I think that. It changes, and and this is the mindset we we talked about with our friends uh, over at Traveler Hits Thursdays, is that going into the week, you can you can think, oh man, SC has no chance against this team, but come game Saturday day, morning, you you wake up and you're talking yourself into like, well, if only this happens, and then that happens, you know, I think they have a chance, and then by the time the game kicks off, you're like, yeah, SC's winning this game, right, like. Every fan has gone through that mindset every single time. So I think we can sit here and say, well, even if SC goes 11-1, and people are still going to be skeptical of Clay Helton. But then there's also part of me that thinks, once this team goes 3-0, and not saying that they will, but let's say they did go 3-0, and or 4-0, and whatever it is, people are going to be all in again. 1,000%. Yep. Now, the, the minute they go 3 
four and zero and then lose a game, then it's going to be well. This is what I expected from Clay Helton, right? Yep. Yeah. Moving on though, let's go to a voicemail we got from Cameron. Hey, Raina Troy, it's Cameron from Provo, Utah. So we've already finished up spring camp and spring football. The spring showcase is over. Uh, Connor's just kind of wondering about a question or an activity you'd like to do on your podcast. I want you to evaluate every single member of the coaching staff and give them a grade on how they've done during this spring camp from a grade to an A, meaning that they're probably, they are the chosen one. You know, they're the best thing that's ever happened to USC football to an F that meaning that they should probably immediately be fired. So I just kind of want your thoughts on giving them a grade and the reasoning behind that grade. Um, uh, be great. Thanks and fight on. Thanks for the call, as always, Cameron. Uh, looking forward to, to seeing you in Provo. We'll be in Provo. It'll be fun uh, later this year. Um, this is tough. If, if A is they're the greatest thing since sliced bread, essentially, and D is they need to get on the next Amtrak out of L.A., it's real. like, then no one should be an A or an F. Yeah. Well, that that's the problem is I can't I can't give any A's yet. Like Graham Harrell could earn an A by you know by December, absolutely. But I can't give him an A yet because I don't know what this offense is actually going to look like when it's going up against you know opposition. So right. that's tough. Let, 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 let's run down this list. G- give me your grade, and you'll give the grade. I, I haven't seen practice, so I can't give a grade. Clay Helton. Uh, can it? If we change the the grading, uh, the the what do they call it? The uh, grading on a curve. I think you have to grade on a curve in this well, if, situation. If the 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 um definitions of grades. There's a word for this, and I can't remember what what it is. Criteria. But, yeah, I guess the criteria. It's not what I'm thinking of, but yeah, criteria. If we change the criteria to like they're doing the best that they can, like then I'd I'd give Clay on an A. Maybe I'll give him a B, just sort of like to acknowledge that he You're dug himself get so into this many hole. Hate comments. I know, I know. I just don't. I don't know what else Clay Helton can do. Could do this spring. Like I don't know what else. I could not ask more of him. He except could put maybe, on a Pete Carroll mask and chew yeah. some gum and like clap a bunch as he's walking through you, and like you know, bobbing his head and slapping players no no, no. you know what clay helmets while, while they're stretching what clay could have done to earn the a this this spring is to let us shoot practice the whole way through so that i'd have more and better pictures also oh, to maybe good. to maybe have the quarterbacks in front of us every once in a while so i could have more and better pictures Just pander to the media yeah and also uh speak to the media every day again so that i could have more injury updates daily <laughs> like, yeah, and then then the question is, is what's better for the media better for the football team? That's no, it's not. That's a whole different question. Not always. So, no. Yeah, uh, Clancy Pendergast. Uh, see, average. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I I think it's interesting because you mentioned that Clay's doing everything that he can to save his job. Isn't that what Clancy's doing? Cl- I mean, Clancy. Yeah. Clancy, Clancy came in, he came into USC originally in 2013 as the proponent of the 5-2 base defense. We saw that 5-2, which was really a 3-4 uh, back in 2013. And then in 2016, we saw a 2-4-5. Uh, in 2017, we saw a bunch of different things. Uh, with it, they kind of went away from the base defense and went with the three-man front. We saw a lot of the three-man front last year. Going to like a four-man front, like... He keeps changing and evolving, but also, like, 
it seems like Clay telling him to go to like a four-man front or something is a huge ultimatum for Clancy Pendergast. It's kind of do or die for him too. Yeah, when when you put it that way, I mean, he made the ch- he made changes. Like again, they are trying something new instead of just keeping on with the same stuff that didn't work. Right. But I, but so they'll, they'll I, I sink or swim. Yeah, but like I don't, I don't know where that leaves him. I think C is fair. The, the defense also gets like an incomplete because like th- that was not that that defense that they fielded this spring was not the defense that they're gonna field in the fall. Just straight up, except for the defensive per- line, personnel wise, personnel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's look at uh, Graham Harrell. Uh, let's give him a B with the potential of getting that A. Yeah, it's an incomplete. You got to see more yeah. from him. Uh, John Baxter. No complaints. Ben getting I, I, Ben Griffiths, I, I, big deal. I guess that's I guess that's a good thing. Uh, Giant Anson. Uh, uh, B. <laughs> Again, I, I the the wrong one we get into the into the like assistant assistants is I didn't necessarily see enough of them to really say like I'll give Greg Burns a B. All right, you got nothing for Tim Drevna. I'll give him a B. Like I think he's done a good job. I think he's settled that offensive line really well. So. Gary Colbert? Uh, it, he, he barely had anyone to work with. Again, like, <laughs> there was some weird stuff going on in spring. So Michael Pittman looks great. I don't know if that's Gary Colbert's influence or not, but Michael Pittman and Amon Ra right. St. Brown look amazing. Speaking of coaches not having many players to work with, Joe DeForest. Uh, Outside linebackers coach. Which is basically the, just the Sam... The Sam linebackers, which is the former Predators, who are now all Sam. Uh, I think. I I don't I don't know I don't know. Did SC waste a coaching spot promoting Joe DeForest? I think possibly it will depend when we get into the season. As one of the things I'm going to be most curious about is how often are we actually going to see that package where they bring those the Sam on the field? Because um, cause they're practicing it, but I don't know how... Like, because they practiced the base defense last year and then they never used it. So, I don't know. It's possible they wasted a, a coaching position, but we'll see. All right, uh, moving on, Mike Jinks. I like him. B, he's fun. Chad Kaha. Chad Chad K is a great interview. I did not see him working with the the defensive lineman once because they do everything across the field. But he's a great interview. He's 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 he has a good way of explaining himself. Aaron Osmus. Um, the players all talk about how uh he's very tough. And that the strength program is working. Now they say that every year, so take that for the grain of salt that it is. But they did make it through spring without major injury injuries. They uh they they, they certainly don't look like they're falling off in terms of strength, so sure, positive. Can we do like Dane, pass fail? Dane Stevens. 
<laughs> now we're getting way, way. Uh, Beyond any talent, my phone. Okay. All right. We're, we're going to move on. Uh, let's get a tweet from Scourge. Uh, we have heard that there's a steep drop off in talent from the ones to the twos. Who best mixes and matches from the twos if a starter goes down? The defensive line has good depth. It's not extreme depth, depth, but it's good depth in the sense can, can, that. Can I throw in some guesses here too? Uh, yeah. Well, I'll just I'll just say Brandon Peely is probably the best number two that I would say behind Marlon Tuipulotu. Yeah. I feel like those guys, you know, my sheer outside perspective seems like almost interchangeable. I mean, uh, to uh, to to a point, they're, they're both getting it a lot of run. Well, Tufele, Tupelotu, Peely, and even Jake Lichtenstein, like they all had good springs, and they're players that I think USC's coaches are very confident in uh, being able to step in and not have too much of a drop off. So yeah, especially the three Polynesian guys, tons of praise throughout spring from everybody. Yeah, and then I would assume that the linebackers would be the other place for this when you got Kanai Mauga. Uh, you mentioned, um, you know, Iosefa and Houston. Well, whoever is not the one is the two. Yeah. Um, and then you got Solomon Tuliapupu, who's probably not going to be a one, at least not right now. Uh, not initially. Maybe he could be. You, you never know. But, but if he's he is your someone guy, who is, who's been impressive by various reports. That's very, very brief. But if, if he's your guy behind EA... Then, and he and he lives up to the little cameo appearance that he had early in spring. You're doing really well at inside linebacker because you're not even dipping down into Kanai and Raylan Goforth, who impressed the coaches a lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, moving on, let's get a tweet from Jeff. Quarterback play will it be improved over last year? And has the group improved overall? Has JT Daniels' ability to not float it? to feel pressure, to not lock on, to check down. Has it improved? And how is the coaching of the quarterbacks progressing? I think quarterback play will be improved over last year because they will not have a true freshman quarterbacking the team. So there's That's that. part of it. Also, like it's a totally new playbook, and we've mentioned this earlier, that is designed to make the quarterback's life easier. Right. Um, has the group improved? I think Matt Fink and Jack Sears are both better than they were last spring, which granted is not saying much because both were terrible last spring. Um, but like the group in general, I think I'm more confident in as a whole. So it has improved. Uh, has Daniel's ability to not float it, feel pressure, to not lock on to check down improved? Um, uh, Still throws a really pretty ball. He his ability to feel pressure. I think it, I worry sometimes with JT that you know sometimes you see a quarterback that's thrown in too early and they get ruined by the panic that sets in when you're when you're that you now build bad habits because you were thrown into the fire. I worry that maybe that happened a little bit with him, but. He's also learning a new system, and, and maybe it just needs to shake off some of the unfamiliarity with it. As for the, the coaching of the quarterbacks, it seems good. I mean, no. Hard to say at this point. Yeah, it's one of those things that, again, will need to be verified in September 
whether or not J- JT Daniels earns the job. I think that the the quarterbacks, like the coaching and the group in general, we're going to determine have to determine that September, November, um, October. I think is a month between those two. I, I think. Um, hmm, also, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, tweet from LA Fred with the Tampa Bay Lightning getting swept out of the Stanley Cup playoffs after one of the best regular seasons ever. Is there a USC football loss that compares to as big of an upset as this? Maybe Stanford is a 41-point dog, Washington State, Boston College. Oh, boy. Alicia, I got to set the stage and explain Yeah, you're, you're Mr. NHL here. It is insane. The Tampa Bay Lightning, you can make the argument that their regular season was the greatest achievement in the history of the NHL. 128 points. They had 21 more points than anybody else in the in the entire league. 21 more points than anyone else. They lost 16 times in regulation in 82 games. 16. They were expected to waltz through the Eastern Conference. And they lose in four straight games, all in regulation, to the Columbus Blue Jackets. So this it would be like the undefeated Patriots getting bounced in the first round of the playoffs? I well, no, because they gotta buy, right? This would be like this would be like um I can't come up with it. This would be like the Warriors that went seven seventy three and nine. Yeah. Losing getting in swept. the first round. Getting swept in the first round. Yeah. Yes. Comparing this back to USC, I think it's impossible to compare because the nature of football single game situations means that flukes can happen on a single night. Like everything can go wrong on a single night. The, the, The thing that's great about like a series, a seven game series or a five game series, whatever it is, is that you take some of the this fluke thing can happen on a single night. Like anyone can win on any night. You take that out of the equation because it's not just about winning a fluke game once. You got to win four games or, or however many games it is. It is it's seven game series in the first round of the of the NHL playoffs, correct? Yep. Yeah. Yep. So like to lose four games is very different than what happened to USC against Stanford. Because like if USC had played Stanford four times, they they wouldn't have lost all four games yeah but here's the difference that i will say i think a football game counts more like there's a reason that the nfl plays 16 games and major league baseball plays 162 right right right. no no it it absolutely counts more i'm just saying that like Like, the the better team the better team in football is going to win an overwhelming majority of the time right compared to the better team in baseball right but the flukiness of a loss is 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 more possible in football like than losing four in a row is different so like i would almost compare it to usc's woes against oregon state like the or the collective pete carroll every single year on schedule losing or struggling in the in the pac-12 uh, away op- road opener against lesser opposition every year 
Like, I think that's probably as close to it as it'll come where it's actually like a trend where it didn't just happen once and you could pass it off as like, oh, John David Booty's finger was broken. I think that like the 2006 Oregon State game is the one or the 2008 Oregon State game. I like those two as as a thought here, Uh, because the other thing is hockey has so much parody. There's so much parody in the NHL um, that even though we can sit here and say that the Lightning were incredible, uh, having 21, 21 points more than anyone else, they weren't an overwhelming favorite in the playoff to the point where like they were the odds-on favorite to, to win versus the field. No, the field right. was always going to be the pick there because it, it is so grueling to actually win the Stanley Cup. So uh, them losing in the first round isn't the biggest shock in the world. Um, it's a shock. It's that they got how, given swept, how dominant they were. What's that? It's that they got swept. It's that they got swept. Yeah. Because yeah. that just means you weren't so decisively. Yes. Yeah. They, they lost game four seven to three. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's rough. Yeah. That's um, rough. Not not good. In, I, I did in not USC expect that lore, at all. In USC lore, it's definitely the for, the the Stanford game. Sure, yeah. Like, in terms of the embarrassment of... In in, term, in terms of the embarrassment, yeah. I, I think the, the more realistic thing of what it actually was was, like, what you were talking about, one of those Oregon State games. Yeah. Or the collective Oregon State, uh, yeah. you know, bad juju. Right. Uh, let's go to a final question from Steven. Is anyone on the team more attractive than Ben Griffiths? Uh, we can count coaches, too. Um, Alicia, I don't want to break down these players completely objectively. Um, our pals over at Travel Hitch Thursdays <laughs> have a blast doing that uh, and listen to them. Uh, they are so fun talking about those topics. I will say that it has to be Ben Griffiths solely because there is nothing more attractive than a rugby style punt that is well executed. Oh, and I got to say, I got to say, yeah, yeah, there was it was something very attractive about seeing him, you know, Pin the pin the punts in the corner while doing that rollout rugby. In the corner, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's got those, the accent those too. Those things hot under the collar for sure. He, he's got the accent too, uh, which yep. which definitely works for him. He's rocking some some like some good hair. Like it's kind of like scruffy, but good hair. And he's very tall. You know what I always think is weird when people talk about athletes? It's talking about good hair. You know what my impression of it is? They have hair that is not short that looks good even though it's not short. <laughs> That's what it means when people talk about, oh, he has good hair. He, like no one has ever off. said this about a flat top. No one has ever said this about a fade because those are just standard things, right? No one's ever said this about just a, a your basic old haircut ever. Because those things are just expected to just be what they are, right? But it's always, oh, he has more hair than the average person. And it doesn't look bad, even though it he has more hair. Like, that's literally what it means. Good hair means that you're pulling off the hair. Like, you can have short hair that's good hair. Like, I, I no disagree. No one ever like, says it. You can have a fade that's good hair. Like but no one ever says that. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't pay as much attention, but I think there, there is something about like not everyone. Darius Rogers had really good ru- waves. No yeah. one ever 
talked about like, you know, has great hair on this team, Darius Rogers. Yeah. That's unfair. But but unfair. that's because it's easier to pull that off than long hair. Like long hair on men. This is my opinion. Long hair on men is hard Thanks to pull off. Thanks for clarifying that, that it's your opinion. It's my opinion. In my opinion. Very important. In my in my honest opinion. Um, so the longer your hair gets, the harder it is to pull it off if you're a guy. Which is why well, there's it's... More of, there's more of it. That's why it's harder to pull off. You have to cut it at that point. <laughs> yes. But that's why you credit, like, Clay Matthews pulling it off. Because it's not easy to pull off hair that long. Okay. There's a lot of people who don't think that Clay Matthews pulls it off, well, by the way. Uh, well, Troy Polamalu pulled it off. Absolutely does. Absolutely. Uh, speak uh, on the team right now. Can I Malga? Beautiful hair. long hair. Brandon great Peely, yeah. great bun. Like there are some guys with with really good hair on the team. Ben Griffiths doesn't have majestic hair, but he's he wears it right for like it suits him very well. Like when That's I say he has I'm good saying, hair, though. I'm saying it suits him. Like not everyone could pull off having hair of his length and and the style of his hair. It suits him. Okay. I still think it's a little harassed that people with short hair don't get compliments <laughs> on their hair. Or in my case, people with thin hair. No one ever with thin hair ever gets compliments either. It's a little messed up. Yeah. Struggle. I know. Uh, anyways, that's going to wrap up this episode. Thanks for listening, as always, on Random Troy Radio. We will be back next week, but we're going to give you a quick preview of our Rotspot's Choice episode that dropped over on Patreon, patreon.com slash Troy, where we talked about which team it was the best of the 21st century so far. Was it a USC team? Was it a team from around the country? We have two sides of the bracket. Who will meet in the middle? Who will it be? Uh, listen and find out. Uh, we'll give you about the first five to ten minutes after this, and then uh, check that out if you want to listen to the full thing at Patreon, patreon.com slash Troy. Also, again, Rod on Got is live for patrons over on Patreon now. If you're not a patron, you can get it on Friday. Again, patreon.com slash Troy is where you can listen. Uh, as always, our phone number is 213-373-1872. Rain of Troy at fancenter.com is our email address. If you want to advertise with us, if you want to send us an email question, if you want anything, hit us up there. Uh, as always, facebook.com slash Troy and at Rain of Troy on Twitter or our other social medias. Alicia, give us the final word. Final word is hair. As in, it's all about pulling off whatever hair you have. I still prefer to cut it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, do that too. All right, here's the preview of uh, The Robot's Choice. Give it a listen, eh? It is Robot's Choice time. A Reign of Troy, Patreon exclusive. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Reign of Troy Radio. This is a Rotbot's Choice episode coming to you on Patreon. I'm your host, Michael Castillo. Join along with my co-host, Alicia Daratola. Hello, everybody. Hello, Alicia. We put out a call for Rotbot's Choice questions or topics, and we got some. We put together a poll, and we have a winner. Uh, the poll that we published earlier this week was, had five options. USC greats versus other school greats. Predicting life at USC 10 years from now, casting a movie about USC's recent drama, movie takes, and Rot Paris, which is like potpourri, but Rot Paris, which was basically us taking all these topics and kind of putting it into one, sort of like a mailbag, but not a mailbag, but it would be a Rotbot's choice. Anyways, we put up the poll on Patreon, and the winner is one inspired by Brandon Geno's. 
uh, called USC Greats versus other schools greats. Now, Brandon's original suggestion uh, that he gave to us back in February or a couple of months ago was if you could build an all-college team, which college would have the strongest team? That is a hell of a question. Um, I think it's a question that, you know, USC would be in the discussion, Notre Dame, Alabama. If you took the all-time, all-time teams of all these schools and put them together, who would have the best team? I'd love to know. I'd love to see that tournament, you know, played out in real life to figure out who it is. The problem is, and, you know, Alicia, you and I were both doing some research on this. There's teams like... Michigan's all-time team features people from like the 30s that we've never heard of. No idea yeah, who they are. The, the same for I looked up Alabama's uh, an all-time Alabama team from uh, an Alabama uh fan-sided site. So like you know these are people who are fans of Alabama and I didn't recognize half the names. So like I I'm sure the all the all-time Alabama team is really great, but I couldn't tell you if that team would beat USC's all-time team because I think USC's all-time team, like I know these players like right. distinctly. So it's kind of not even a fair discussion from our perspective just because like, I, d- I don't know those teams well enough. Yeah. Yeah. It would be really difficult. So, but we wanted to be able to do a topic like that uh, inspired by Brandon. So that's why in the poll we put USC's greats versus other teams greats. Since then, trying to put together this episode after the poll won, or after that one won the poll, we've kind of kind of twisted it a little even more. Uh, so I feel bad that we're kind of taking Brandon's thing out of context, but I don't really think we totally are. Uh, what we've constructed is a 16-team tournament. On one side of the bracket, it is the best USC teams of this century, on the other side of the bracket, it is the best college football teams, period, of this century. Teams that we've watched, teams that both Alicia and I can speak about in confidence, who would be better on a neutral field, who would win that game. And we're going to run down the list. We're going to talk about USC's 2005 team. How are they going to match up against the 2003 team or whatever it may be? So the winner of all the non-USC teams will face the winner of the USC teams, the best uh, of the 21st century, and then we'll find out if USC has or has put together the best team of the 21st century, at least according to us. Yeah, at least we'll we'll try to we'll make our definitive pick at the very least. Yeah. Uh, so here's the bracket we've put together. You can play along at home. You might want to write this down on a napkin if you're not driving. Uh, here we'll go through the non-USC side of the bracket. Again, there's 16 total teams. There's eight on each side of the bracket. Let's go through the field. Number one seed, Miami from 2001. They're going to go up against the number eight seed, 2010 Auburn. Let's get right into it, Alicia. Arguably the greatest team of all time, 2001 Miami, a team that had a million NFL stars. Uh, We're talking Jeremy Shockey, Willis McGahee. Some guy named Ed Reed. I don't know if you ever heard of him. A million dudes that that Miami had. A million Hall of Famers. A million All-Americans. A hell of a stack team. Going up against one of the most dominant quarterbacks in recent memory. 2010 K. 
Cam Newton and the Auburn Tigers. Both teams won national titles. Miami beat Nebraska in the Rose Bowl. Auburn beat Oregon in the Fiesta Bowl. Uh, what do you like about this matchup? Uh, do I do I like anything about this matchup? Um, it's it's kind of not fair because 2001 Miami is just the all-time team, right? Like you could you could put that up there as the not just since 2000, but all-time all-time. You Six talk about first 2001. team All-Americans. Yeah, yeah. Whereas like Auburn, it really was just it was Cam Newton, and and Cam Newton was an incredible college football player, and he's and he's become a, a really solid NFL quarterback as well. So like the talent is absolutely there. He's a, a unique talent at that position uh, this this century, no doubt. But it's it's Cam Newton versus 01 Miami, and I don't think it's like I don't think that game would be close if you played that on a neutral field. I don't think that game would be close. Yeah, uh, Miami beats Nebraska 37-14, and they were toying with Nebraska. And that was a Nebraska team led by Eric Crouch in the Rose Bowl. Nebraska shouldn't have even been in that game. Uh, Nebraska was the number four team in the AP poll, uh, which tells you how wonky the BCS was at that point. I don't see how Auburn wins this. I, I think we can just go ahead and pencil Miami right on in into the... Uh, into the semifinals of that bracket, that side of the bracket, 2001 Miami, uh, and they will move on. That's pretty simple. Uh, the next Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.